Hey guys, welcome to the Perfect 10 podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And I am so happy to be here with one of my best friends, somebody that I've known longer than just about anybody. Um, we met in second grade in Canada. We used to walk to school together. Yes. And I've known you forever, and I love you and admire you so much. Andrea Sirtash is sitting right here. Andrea, thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to be here. I just had a flashback to second grade when Lana, when we used to wear our winter hats in Canada, and they were all... <laughs> We were just we we just had fun together, but our clothes were never on straight, and well, we, we were had like, like chocolate in our faces. And my my kids yeah. are now. I mean, August is in third grade. We met in second grade, and when I see that, I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah, we, we were are, pretty young. We're babies. <laughs> well, I remember we'd walk through snow to get to yeah. school. Like, I mean, big snow, like where you'd have to like crawl through. Well, it. by the way, your listeners and viewers are going to think all of Canada is tundra, so we should make it clear that that was in the winter. Right. <laughs> that not all of Canada is snow that you have to crawl through. But we but did. We did do that in December through April. You know when. I go back, which has been years since I've been back there, but it seemed like such a long walk to school, but it's really not that far, right? It's probably five minutes. Right. <laughs> but it seemed like we were walking for hours to Dog school. Dog years, though. You have kids, you know that. A minute right. is an hour. Right. And now a minute is like, I mean, hours second. Hours are a second. Yeah. Time is zooming by too fast. That's right. I mean, when you think about how long we've known each other, know. oh my God. We don't God. have to say that. No, yeah. yeah. Like, we were, well, we were in second grade. Just, just a few like years few ago, recently, <laughs> just like ten years ago, um, yeah. But it's so nice to be here, and um, I did your podcast years ago with your kids. I gave uh -huh. them relationship advice. Well, that's just that, you guys. If you go back, you can listen to um, to. Oh, well, I have so many episodes. This thing you could invest a lifetime going back and listening to all the episodes. Maybe of they the could podcast. Google my name with your with Perfect Ten and find well, it. Well, they can find it. Just scroll yeah. back. It's, it, that was a long time ago. Long I'm time. so so much has even changed since then in your life and my life. Yes. Uh, what I love about your story is how much the hard things in life create the blessings in life. And we can circle back to that after we do just like a little bit of introduction into as to why you're so fucking fabulous <laughs> for so many reasons. Like you're an amazing author, published author, dating expert, TV personality. Um, the list just goes on and on. And now like social media website developer, Anyways, the, well, your resume is amazing. Thank you. I mean, likewise. Well, uh, but, know. you know, it all stems from... I just from, saw dick jokes. <laughs> well, I write... Well, I was going to say something really dirty, which I could do on this show, yeah, actually. Yeah, you can, you can be I've filthy. written a lot about dicks. Yes, you Both have. schmucks, as in men who are dicks, and actual dicks, because I write sex and relationship advice. Right. Tell, I love um, the titles of your books. So, yeah. like, let's just go to those for a few minutes. Like, um, Okay, I've written... Um, my last book's called It's Okay to Sleep with Him on the First Date and Every Other Rule of Dating Debunked. I've written a book called Cheat on Your Husband with Your Husband, and I wrote He's Just Not Your Type, and that's a good thing. All my book titles have a kind of wink. Right. Like, you think you know the title, and then I go, bazam. Like there's so a, he's just, just not your, your type, type, and that's a good thing. Right, Cause, because? Well, if you keep doing the same thing and expecting different results, you know, that's the definition of insanity. So what, what that book's about is getting out of your own way and dating patterns that aren't working for you. It's right. not that I'm saying, oh, if you date a blonde guy, try a brunette. It's not that superficial. It's, it's breaking your pattern. That's right. what it's about. Well, I, I, I just wrote a bit recently about how people develop their types, too. And you don't, I, I don't even know, like, figuring out what your type is is, like, 
Well, we get we, in our own your, way. Your type should be somebody we, who treats you nicely. That's right. right. Your type should be someone who's into you and you're into and who uh, you're an authentic version of yourselves. And people, whenever they give, whenever I get a 10-page long email, what should I do? I say, you answered your own question on page one with so much doubt and so much confusion and trying. If you hear yourself, one of my major relationship principles is very simple. If you ever hear yourself trying to convince someone of your value, it's time to move on. Oh, fascinating. And that works for love, friendship, work. If you are not valued in a relationship, it's not it's not the right dynamic. Right. So. Yeah, that is so wonderfully true. So all the relationships, you know, I always say I'm credible, not clinical. So all of it is I'm a journalist, I'm a relationships journalist. So I've investigated trends and covered trends in relationships for years. And that's how I started hosting television shows about relationships. And um, it's an endless category because right. relationships are the most important thing in the world. Well, you've always given great advice. I mean, if there's something that I've needed help on throughout my entire life, I know that I can call you. One, you're not going to share. It's no. going to be stay between us and you're not going to judge. And it's like, you know, and you're super smart and intuitive. You like understand. And so therefore I can, you've found your niche without a doubt to be able to tell other people how to like deal with their stuff it's really good thank you so cheating on your husband with your husband cheat that on your husband with your husband yeah keeping so it that's fresh how to date your spouse it's not you know it's funny that whenever i was on tv doing that the book promo for that um they would tease it by saying after the break we have an author who's going to teach you how to cheat on your husband and then i checked twitter and people were raging <laughs> like how dare you i mean listen that's a different book that's like an open marriage or a cheating book my book was you're, how to how spice you cheat up on your marriage husband. you're gonna get caught because you're gonna like put some something's gonna pop up on on the computer yeah. or something's gonna gonna show up on the credit card maybe you're, yeah. yeah it's These not days well, one in five people today blame Facebook for the demise of their relationships. So why? it's actually really? the because digital age of relationships is fascinating, which is why what I'm, you know, I've been doing this since um, my first book that I worked on was 04 or 05. So over these 13 years, so much has changed. Right. But the relationship principles are the same, but the way we're meeting is different in many cases. And the title of the third book it's okay to sleep with him on the first date and every other rule of dating debunked. Why I wrote that was not to encourage people to be promiscuous. It's not called you should sleep with someone on the first date. <laughs> on the book cover for that book, it says, don't trust the rules, trust yourself. That's the essence of the book. I had been covering relationship trends, hearing all these stupid dating rules at the same time, interviewing thousands of people who have literally broken every rule that other people said, you'll never meet someone if you do blank. And I'd say, that's ridiculous. I, I, I've interviewed people through the years who slept with someone pretty soon and got married. I've interviewed people through the years who dated a coworker who did all these rule-breaking things. Now, they had to be smart about it. They weren't, you know, totally careless. But you have to get outside your comfort zone in love and in life and uh, life and love and all of these things aren't linear i mean there's a lot of rule breaking to find your authentic truth interesting so in that case like the title being it's okay to sleep with him on the first date and every other rule and every other rule. what's some other great rules that are oh there are ridiculous rules like you know when i wrote it with my co-author who's a single man and we just went back and forth with the ridiculous rules that we had read. We'll never talk about politics and religion. 
that actually is, is not a great role all the time because especially in this day and age. How do you get to know somebody if you don't know their religion? That's exactly and their, it. Yeah. So that, and then there's other rules like a first date should always be dinner. That Patty Stanger, the millionaire matchmaker, had that rule. Terrible rule because if you're on a blind date and you know within five minutes you don't want to be with this person, why are you sitting through together a three-hour I mean, it's a three-course, whatever. But what's, what is a good first date thing? Uh, drinks, tapas, like meet me for happy hour. You know, that way you're in and out. You have a nice buzz if you drink. If you don't, that's fine. But the prices are reasonable. The mood is fun. The lighting, it's not, you know, a cafe. It's not a boring coffee shop at Sunday at 2 p.m. That's also a buzzkill. <laughs> and it's fun. And, you know, happy hour is just kind of affordable for everyone. So, yeah, those yeah. are all great. Well, I mean... The all those books are are awesome. I'm, yeah, so you, I'm even in the. He's you're not in. Your type. You're in my book. He's just yeah. not your type. With of course Ralphie. Yeah. And, and um, you guys had a very um, visual example of a mismatched looking couple in terms of your stature, obviously. But the point that you guys made, and obviously you weren't together in the end, but you created two beautiful kids together, and. And that we judge so superficially who should be together. We, we don't consider if their values align. If, you know, the last line of my book is date someone you'd, you would want to be with if nobody else was looking. And that's the essence of that book. Well, I mean, I, um, I feel like when, I, I mean, I, I loved my husband, um, but the idea of the, the appearance, I always felt like I'm going to look at the, at the heart and yeah. not and and fall in love with the person yes um but the exterior displayed a lot of sadness on the interior so yes. like it, it is a communication of sorts um yeah. but yeah he that was not sense. my type no <laughs> but you know you know it's interesting too because we evolve as people and we grow and the most important dating relationship principle i could ever have is to have a solid relationship with yourself because when you know um, your needs, wants, and values, everything stems from that. And then you won't tolerate disrespect or um, things that you would tolerate when you're insecure and not sure who you are. So the That's only relationship that, if you know yourself and you are confident in, in the fact that you want to be valued, then um, you will attract healthy relationships more. Wow. I'm like thinking about Am I healthy? <laughs> well, everybody has work to do, not yeah. just, you know, everybody in the world. But the and, and the good news is I remember my aunt saying when I got married, I said, oh, our relationship isn't perfect. Michael isn't perfect because I married a non-type, a guy who wasn't my type. And he's great, you know, but I didn't I like didn't know he was my type. And my aunt Dorothy said to me, if you start from perfect, you have nowhere to go together. You have nowhere to grow together. Right. You should always be learning in a relationship. That's cool. But you shouldn't be tortured while you're learning. And that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing that I try to tell people. People need to be challenged, not changed. Well, challenged to be the best version of yourself, perhaps. You need to be challenged and to be the best that, version that, of yourself. When receptive of the other person's desire to help you be the best version of yourself, too, maybe. Well, but, but if not you're in a relationship where someone is someone's whole job is to change you. It's not a good match on either oh, side. Oh, yeah. No. No. Because, you know, then resentment builds. And so essentially the best um, matches is, you know, you compliment me, you don't complete me. I'm a whole person, 
and you enhance my life by challenging me, by bringing out my best, by sometimes bringing me to my worst, but make, helping me make breakthroughs, but in a respectful way where you're not trying to change me into who you want me to be. Well, it's amazing that um, your and Michael's relationship is so solid, and it seems that you guys have been through so much together on this journey to expand your family. Yes. <laughs> that um, yes. had you both not been strong and willing to support each other, it you, been, you wouldn't have survived what you've right. been through. And where you're going now, where I couldn't be more excited for you, you guys. Like, holy shit. <laughs> so you were just featured yeah. in People magazine. Yeah. I know it's the really article very is surreal. amazing. Yeah. Um, I I I want you to share the story because it's your story. I mean, yeah. holy shit, Andrea! Like you're you're pregnant. You're sitting. Well, here I'm pregnant-ish. Pregnant-ish. Just to be clear, and we'll talk about maybe my my website pregnant-ish well, after. Yes. Um, but I created pregnant-ish because I had been through seven years of trying to uh, create a family and have a baby. Backs up a minute. So yeah. pregnant-ish is a when we started the podcast, I mentioned yeah. that you inspire and like do so many wonderful things, right? But then also I said something about the pain in our lives taking us yeah. on these wonderful adventures. And as hard as it is to tread through like all this muck, mm -hmm. when you finally realize like the blessings that have come out of it, and yeah. that and pregnantish is an example. You gave birth to a mini enterprise that will con that is growing rapidly. This baby is huge now. <laughs> I remember well, when you were launching it. Yeah, it was a, it's, it's a it's brilliant new still. Um, but thank you. But I mean, what what happened was I'm a content person. I've like you said, I'm a book author. I've hosted television shows. I've produced I, I'm out there doing content every day and I was frustrated that the content about infertility and trying to start your family with help was always framed as a medical you know with medical advice now don't get me wrong medical is a huge part of it infertility for me was a medical issue I've had since I was 14 and had endometriosis and then you know, I had fibroid tumor surgery, open stomach surgery six and a half years ago. So for me, it's been a medical issue. But but there's an entire section of relationships and lifestyle and personal, practical side that gets overwhelming, difficult, and challenging when you don't just get pregnant the fun way. <laughs> so <laughs> let me just say that. I spend my life trying not to get pregnant. <laughs> well, that's, that's, you know, the beginning of our lives. Right. And then, you know, and then it becomes really high pain point when you think I can't do the most natural thing. And I remember when we first started trying, I said to Michael, it may take us a while because I remember a doctor telling me when I was 14 that I may have fertility challenges. And I remember saying to Michael, it may take us like a year. That was eight years ago. But oh, wow. You know, we tried the fun way and it didn't work. And then I I went to a doctor and they said, you have a massive tumor covering your tubes and ovaries. And it's just been an, a crazy journey um, of 18 fertility treatments. I call myself an ovary achiever. <laughs> I like puns. And I created Pregnantish because I felt like I'm a content creator who writes about relationships. And I need to tell the story of how this challenging chapter of relationships affects people. The relationship they have with their bodies, the relationship they have with their friends, family, community, work, partner. If you're single and going through it, that's a whole other relationship challenge. So it's a relationship issue as much as a, a medical one. Yeah, it's, I, I, I'd like, I kind of looked at infertility f as a superpower. <laughs> you know, like when Superman 
loses his power. Like he gives up his for Lois Lane. Like she wants him to be a normal guy, and so he like, and then he has to fight. I think it's is it Zor comes. Down. I, don't I don't think know. I don't know. He comes down, and then there's that one scene where he's like crushing Superman's hand, <laughs> and he realizes he because I fought against my fertility for so well, long. I'm like I would, but then not to be able to have a child. Like now I'm on the other side of right. having kids, and it's like you know, to want that in your life. I didn't even know I wanted kids. And, and all of a sudden, it, it, so to have it come so easy and then to know that you've been in pain, it, I felt so bad for you, Andrea. No, you've been so supportive. It's, you know, the hard part of fertility treatments is the cost is very high. So emotionally, it's a mind fuck. Cause, oh, know, for the financial part? Financially. And then when you have the baby. Financially. <laughs> you've, already, but, you've already paid but, for the kid's college. But, by the way, yeah. the average IVF costs between fifteen and $30,000 oh, per, per treatment. How many IVFs did you I have? did eight uh, rounds, but I had insurance for three, and I got a free one. And But we were on a line of credit. I mean, it's a very expensive process. I've done IUIs, which is insemination. It is the most expensive. We could have bought a house by now right. easily. Um, with the down payment for f trying and to make a baby. But just put it in perspective, <laughs> like you're not like loaded with, I mean, no, my Michael's husband's a, a teacher, an inner city school teacher. Yeah. Like, so, and, and yeah, and you're an author and yeah. and you live in New York city. It's, yeah, it's, so it's just, hard. It's hard. Yeah, you guys but have not only, not only the emotional financial cost, what I wanted to share for people who don't, and I'm sure some of your listeners or viewers know this because one in eight go through it. So someone watching or listening is like, yeah, I know IVF. But you do so many shots in your body of hormones. And I've probably done 3,000 shots. So the physical toll. 3,000 shots yeah, of hormones. Yeah, easily. 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 Because over seven years. Is it in the stomach? Sometimes in the backside. Sometimes oh, intramuscular. God. And I'll tell you, I, I'm more resilient than I ever knew. 3,000, Andrea. I had I no idea. I mean, I'm idea. guesstimating. But there was a CNN article a couple months ago that went viral where a woman who had gone through three years about three years of IVF, took her fertility meds and did a heart around her baby with the meds. And she just went through less than, I did double what she did. So I can only imagine how many shots I've done. I don't want to think about it, to be honest, because well, it's- That makes you crazy. And it's, 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 but you know, they can bring you, here's something that people don't talk about. There's no, actually studies show you're not going to break up over infertility. And if you break up, you weren't going to be together anyway. Because I just else thought of the most fucked up joke. Tell me. I took a morning after pill and that fucked me up with hormones so bad, Andrea. I, let me tell you. Yeah. Hor morning after pills. <laughs> Good luck with, I'm glad you never had to do fertility treatments, Lana. <laughs> That's awful. Oh my gosh. Well, okay, I'll tell you something. We I actually, was sick for days after that morning after pill. <laughs> I feel so bad for you. Do you have Kleenex anywhere here for me to cry? Um, I will tell you that we actually sometimes, you know, Michael's really funny. So we would, he'd like make it fun sometimes. Uh, but you do shots in weird ass places because you, they're timed. So we'd be at a friend's birthday party at a bar, and I'd be like, it's 6.18, we have to do our shot at 6, go to the bathroom. We'd go to the bathroom, he'd shoot me up, and people would pound on the door, and I'd be like, I'm doing my shots! Not the fun kind. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it did, uh, you'd get used to pulling your pants down in airports. You have to do your shots everywhere. Truly what it made me realize and have a com more empathy for people who are chronically ill 
who, because I knew as much as I've had the disease of infertility, I could have stopped. I didn't want to because I really, the doctors were encouraged that I was making good looking embryos. So we were trying to get to the bottom of it and we'll share what happened after that. But, you know, I it did have a new sadness for people who take shots every day of their lives and for people who whose lives are disrupted by chronic illness because it was so intrusive for the seven years I, I dealt with it. Again, as we get older from our childhood of, you know, yeah. innocent walking to school, like all the things that happen in life, you yeah. learn who you are and yes. about how empathy for others because... Yeah, it's the shit you walk through that makes you smarter. It's it, really, it, it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> but you know, it's um, it's also perspective. I used to do an exercise in a dating workshop I I led at a spa somewhere, and I said I asked uh, daters, singles, to stand under the sign that resonated. So, dating sucks, or dating is fun, or whatever. I put different perspectives, and then I challenged them to go under a different sign and prove it to me. And I said, genuinely prove another perspective to me. And they always could. Hmm. And that and we do choose perspectives. So not everybody who goes through a painful uh, process turns it into learning or lessons. Um, I hope I'm trying to do that. You've definitely done that. That's a great thing. But it's not always possible for some people. I get that. You know. No, of course not. Yeah, yeah there's all different perspectives. Definitely. Um, but I love your story because you guys figured out how to conceive. Yes. Well, okay, so after 18 treatments, the doctor says to me, and I, and I had miscarriages and I had losses and I had failures, and these were good-looking eggs and embryos. So he said, you know what, let's not put anything in you until we genetically test with PGS testing, which is you know, testing the embryo to see if there are normal cells, abnormal cells, what's happening. We don't know if it's your body or your eggs that are miscarrying and failing. And once we had healthy embryos, the doctor said, your best shot at meeting a baby is not using your body anymore. Now, I've had endometriosis, fibroid tumors, high natural killer cells, and a whole host of issues. So we always knew I had issues, but that was all I really needed to hear. And I was exhausted, Lana. Like, that many years in, it was... Hard. I had to grieve not carrying, never feeling a baby kick because I was pregnant and I never got to that point. Um, but but it was also a relief to say, okay, I don't need to put my body through anymore. I can get off hormones and we have a healthy embryo. This is exciting, you know. Right, and yeah. it's growing inside your cousin. It's growing inside my first cousin, Alana, who's a, an angel on earth. And it's been, you know, we had two surrogates drop out on us in 2017. So surrogacy is a very complicated thing. And I, oh my God, you I know, can't even imagine. It's very expensive for people. Like never, my biggest advice to uh, listeners or viewers um, who don't know is never say something to someone struggling with infertility. Like, why don't you just adopt? Why don't you just get a surrogate? Because just doesn't fit into these processes. It is so much work, time, money, and risk. People are human, they're human, people are human. That's a very profound thing I said. <laughs> uh, people change their minds and they get emotional and we had two surrogates drop out after, you know, when I hired lawyers to settle and it wasn't easy. And by the time my cousin arrived, I was depleted. It was in January, 2018. And I remember my husband and I saying, is this a practical joke at this point? Like, we finally found a surrogate, and she left us at the altar. 
right before the procedure, after we had paid for and spent five months of medical legal counseling, she left. She got probably cold feet. I don't get what she was going through, I feel for her, but it left us in a, in a rough position. Never heard from her again, by the way. Um, well, it's like it's, it, it was a marriage all in itself. I mean, you're choosing somebody, you've got to fall in love with the yeah. person who's going to be carrying your baby. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine that. I was like, a, it turns out I'm really romantic with surrogates. I was sending her flowers and cards and her kid gifts. And I, because I was so grateful. Um, when she left us, I felt like a, a little hopeless. And I had launched Pregnantish already. And I had a lot of readers. And I was the lead on a support call with Shine Fertility in Chicago, a support group. And I opened the call crying. And I said, I'm going to be here with you guys tonight. But I want you to know I'm not the expert. I'm the patient. And I'm right with you. And um, two people on the line started crying. And, and But it was a really authentic moment because they knew, for me, pregnant-ish is not a business. It's truly a labor, intentional pun, of love, <laughs> um, where I really want to help people feel less alone and more supported. And the storytelling on the site is like, Stranger than fiction and amazing. This the the site. You don't have to just be interested in fertility for yourself to be interested in the stories that you're publishing on there. I mean, the things that you talk about and the people you yeah. interview incredible. are incredibly interesting. Story. Yeah. I mean, some of the, just to reflect on some of the stories that you had told me about the couple you were talking about today. Oh, there's like it's endless. I mean, we also you know we've. Yeah, it's endless. The content is, uh, I interviewed a guy who was a sperm donor 33 times. And now I'm starting a podcast. 33 times, was it successful? Yes, so over from 1989 to 1991. You can find this article on Pregnantish. He, now they wouldn't let him do that today. This was in the 80s. And he is searching for his offspring, his biological offspring. Are, is he allowed to find no, them? No, he can't find them, but they can find him. So he's doing genetic tests in the hopes that they'll find him. But he'll probably be on my podcast, which I'm starting. A so he's interested show. in finding the 33 children that he fathered yes. with his... He never had biological... He never had... not. He had biological kids through the donation. But he never had he never children. never had children of his own. Why did he want... He did. And ironically, he was with a woman who was infertile. Wow. So these stories, I couldn't even make them up. People wouldn't believe me, honestly. The content on our site is just stranger than fiction. That is amazing. And so he's an example. I also ha uh, just interviewed a man who found out in his 40s that his dad is not his biological dad. His dad had male factor infertility, which is over 30% of infertility is male factor. That story is hardly told, so we're telling those stories on on pregnant-ish, we, we did one with a sergeant in the Air Force who has problems with his sperm, and it's called, I took a job at Starbucks to get infertility benefits. The Air Force shared it because they don't recognize, they shared it, which was great, but the Army doesn't recognize infertility as a disease. So I'm trying to change these conversations, but why I was mentioning this 40-something-year-old this guy did a genetic test, and they said, your dad is not your dad and he said to his mom did you have an affair and she said I was never going to tell you this but dad had male factor infertility and we needed a sperm donor and we were never going to tell you and we're so sorry so this guy wakes up in his 40s and now all he's doing is searching for his donor half siblings because he has them
They, it blows your mind, right? This yeah. is one of the relationship trends of our time you're going to see blow up because there are so many people using science to create their families and the implications of that and not only how it affects our personal relationships, but our future relationships is fascinating. Yeah, no, it, it, I hadn't even quite thought about yeah. it from that perspective. I mean, there's, I, I do wonder about certain things with, um, with it. Like, are you getting the optimum sperm since yes. the sperm, how do they know which is the strongest they, they one? They pick out, okay, here's mind blowing fact. They do, uh, they, they literally out of, you could have 20 million sperm, they pick the best one. How do they find they, them? They just, I don't, I'm not medical, so I'm going to explain it totally wrong, and someone's going to write you and say, Andrea, didn't make sense. So, but what I'll say is they pick the very best sperm and in, inject it into the egg. The best egg, the best sperm becomes an embryo. Hopefully the egg fertilizes. And then the embryos, they, they let the, the cells divide and... You know, we went through this process so many times, and um, it's it's just modern, amazing reproductive health is is mind blowing. What what's happening? I you know I don't think in the future. My dad said when I said we needed a surrogate, he said, "Why can't a machine grow your baby?" <laughs> I love your I dad. I said, "Wait ten your years." Your dad's right. He's right. But I yeah. said, "Wait, wait, like it's five so or ten years." It's so matrix futuristic. It's so type. going to happen. Yeah, it's so going to happen. We're not there yet, though. So I need a human who has emotions, and that's why robots are going to take over. Because <laughs> we're emotional beings, and we change our minds, and we have complicated feelings about things, and that's why two circuits... Well, it's a lot you know, safer for a baby to grow inside of it. <laughs> Although it doesn't, it won't experience the world through its uh, traveling... No, it will be, you know, there's something's going to be invented that simulates the womb. Without a there's doubt. There's no question. They're growing so, beef you know, and Petri dishes and with all kinds of, yeah. Everything. Wow. So, so, you know, I feel where I'm pregnant-ish is really on the, as a content company, a media company, it's, it's wild family stories, but, but, but also really heartfelt because these people want to be parents so badly. And, and these are the people you need to support because they're going to be good parents. They're conscious people. Sometimes they're spending their life savings, their schedules, their whole lives dedicated to a person they haven't even met yet. You're going you, to, there's going to be like a day, like three years from now where that kid is in the grocery store screaming their head. And you'll be like, oh. Yeah. oh, no doubt. I'm going to be like, you know what I did for you to get here? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I, I also know parenting after infertility. I've done a lot of interviews about that. It is a different experience. Not to say we won't have crazy nights, and hopefully right. she's Right, no, healthy, you're definitely going to appreciate it. But you have it. a different uh, awe, because it took so damn long. It doesn't you feel real. This. I mean, we're, we're, we're due, and hopefully everything goes well in, in just over three months. And it's still, we haven't bought a single thing, because we're in shock. Well, Andrea... So. <laughs> It's wonderful. I mean, Thank you. yeah, I just, I have to say, like, I feel so blessed that you're in my life. Likewise. And I can't wait to meet this little human. Yeah. I mean, we've been waiting to meet her for a very, long. very long time. And uh, I'm just so happy for you with everything. So before yeah. we move on, I wanted to talk quickly about yes. the People Magazine article because um, your family history is so amazing. And then to have it go yeah. to this place where you are now. It's such Yes. <laughs> well, okay, so basically my dad was born in hiding during the war. 
and my grandfather in the Holocaust in, the Holocaust, in Hungary. In Hungary, my grandfather was in. We a say camp. he was born in hiding. So Jews were not really liked in. <laughs> they weren't. We weren't in parts of Europe. Not in liked. 1943. Who didn't like us? Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so my dad was. My grandmother delivered my talk about baby trauma underground. And they were, you know, in hiding because if they were caught, they would be I killed. I always wonder about that, like how you kept a baby from crying when you're... I don't know. But for two years, my dad was hid hidden. And um, and then, you know, my grandfather was in a camp and they reunited the family. And my dad spent a lot of his first years looking for family. His grandparents were killed. I mean, it was, it was terrible. A lot of Hungarian Jews and... Uh, gays and but mostly you know in this case uh, the Jewish population was really wiped out there was a huge population prior to the war and um, my grandmother lost two baby boys as well and um, after that and then ten years later she had my uncle John who's my cousin's dad and my my father and my cousin Alana's father escaped during the communist uprising in 1956 and uh, Alana's father was on my dad's back when they escaped. So my dad was 13, his brother was three, Elena's dad was three, and my dad escaped on foot to another country to get out of a bloody situation in Hungary. And when Elena offered me to me to carry, she said, we have so few family members, let me try to help expand our family. And I said to her, I mean, it was very poetic in a way, like, you know, circle of life. And I said, I cannot believe that my dad carried your dad on his back and now you have my back. It's incredible. And we started to cry. Makes me want to cry. <laughs> it's so so it's, it's definitely a full circle. Um, and I have to say, um, I didn't realize that the People Magazine article would be, it was on people.com and they ended up pushing it out on the iPad and on the social channels because people were really engaging with it. Um, it is a good story. <laughs> but I didn't kind of realize, because, uh, you know, you're in your own life. You don't always see it from above. And uh, as I think about it, it is a really good um, story. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, your I'm very whole grateful. Story, very grateful. Your whole story is amazing. I and mean, I'm so lucky to have you in my life. I feel very selfish about you. I'm just like, Andrew's mine. No. So <laughs> I love you so much. I love so you too. pregnantish, um, well, Andrea Sirtash. Yes. Okay. So, so my name is Andrea Sirtash. And by the way, this is just a funny aside. People always say to me, your dad's a Holocaust survivor and they think I'm like 65. But my, my dad had me in his 30s. The reason I'm saying that is because it came up recently. Someone said it's impossible for Andrea to have a Holocaust survivor parent, and it got really confusing. Well, your father was <laughs> born in the midst of the Holocaust. He was. Yeah. He was not 16 and a... Anyway, okay. So my website is Andrea Sirtash. <laughs> it's very just important, to, especially since just, we were in second grade together. Yeah, you don't want yeah. to think that we're 65. No. <laughs> That's <Shush>. awkward. Uh, <laughs> AndreaSirtash.com, Andrea in NY on Instagram, and then Pregnantish, just Pregnantish is all the socials, all the social channels. Awesome, Andrea. Thank you so much. Thank you. Guys, thank you so much for listening and watching the Perfect 10 podcast. Please come back next week, tell 10 people, and by all means, check out Pregnant Edition, Andrea Sartash. Thank you. Mm -hmm.